Welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan again. Episode number 236, recorded April 24th, 2016. So today, Ken, we're uh, leading up to a little movie that's going to come out in a few weeks. What, what movie is that? It's called Star Trek Beyond. Beyond? Beyond what, Donovan? I haven't seen the movie yet, so I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure about it either. But what we do know is that IDW, in lieu of doing a countdown like they did for the last two movies, it mm-hmm. uh, seems like they're just uh, you know doing like a mini series within the ongoing that also kind of ties in with you know what Spock's been doing in, in the alternate universe, right? Uh, because they have said and beyond, they will acknowledge that Spock is past. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering if this series is going to end with that event. So how? Um, how the Leonard Nimoy version of Spock dies in the uh, the new continuity. Exactly. And how that may or may not have anything to do with the new movie. Right. Because yeah. there's, I mean, it seems like, well, I don't want to ruin anything with the books we're going to be reading, but it's very heavy on Romulan involvement. And from the previews, the trailers for the new movie, it doesn't seem to have anything to do with any of the uh, traditional bad guys. Right. All right. So the issues today, we're going to do 54, which is the second half of the Gallia story where she's been kidnapped by somebody. Um, and then 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 starts off what I'm assuming is kind of the countdown version. We're going to get this this go, which is a four part um, Spock story. So that's issues uh, 55 and 56 for today. Cool. Let's do it. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I hate, I hate to kind of want to rush through 54, but I, I really want to talk to you about 55 and 56. So. Yeah, me too. But that's, 54 that's is pretty one. good too. So yeah, It's good, but, you know, the real headline on this episode is uh, Spock Legacy. Exactly. All right. Well, that being said, we'll go ahead and uh, do 54 now. Uh, it is entitled Reunion Part 2 of 2. It has a cover date of February 2016, written by Mike Johnson, art by Tony Shaston, story consultant Roberto Orki, colors by David Mastrolonardo, letters by Neil Utaki, edits by Sarah Gatos, and publisher Ted Adams. So there's two covers. The first one shows Gaila in a birdcage, Uh, And then there's like a ghostly form of a female behind her kind of holding the cage up. Uh, Obviously Orion because the woman's hands are also green. So the cage looks like maybe it's made out of insect parts. You see some insect legs and wings scattered throughout. And then the uh, secondary cover, the, the subscription cover, is what looks to be like a cheesy Valentine card. So remember this is published date of February of 2016. So it looks like something you would have gotten in elementary school. It shows uh, Captain Kirk within this huge pink heart 
And then the caption reads, you're the only one in the galaxy for me. So it's kind of cute. All right, so the story starts off where the last one ended with the Enterprise and the USS Tereshkova uh, still stranded uh, due to an attack from some Orion pirates. Uh, the Orion pirates had taken off with Gaila and her brother Kai. Kirk orders Scotty to perform his miracle working to get the ship back up to running as fast as he can. Meanwhile, back on the Orion pirate ship, Gaila's mother is gloating about how she was able to track down the two ships and to arrange it so that they would be in the same place at the same time so that she could kidnap both of her kids. She also welcomes her children back to their home planet as the craft enters the Orion homeworld's atmosphere. And if you recall, the uh, islands and things on the planet don't float in the ocean, they float up in the sky. Five days have now passed, and Scotty is only just now getting the Enterprise back up to running. He blames himself for not being able to do it sooner. Kirk assures him that he knows that Scotty did everything he could. With that, the Enterprise leaves the Tereskova and heads out into Romulan space. Meanwhile, on the Orion homeworld, Gaila is being prepped for her wedding to the insect alien from last issue. She is still shackled at the wrist. It looks like there is no way out for her. Elsewhere, Kai is in a gladiatorial match. He fights with a huge giant Orion and actually wins thanks to a well-placed uppercut. While he's cleaning himself off from the fight, his new master is telling him of all the matches he's going to be part of. Kai is able to get close to the greedy man and breaks his neck, and then runs away from the arena. Later, Gaila is being marched to her wedding altar. She talks her mother into releasing the wrist clamps. Her mother relents, and Gaila takes the chance and grabs a blaster and starts to shoot anything that moves, including almost hitting her mother and her insect fiancé. Just as it looks like she's about to be recaptured, Kai arrives in a speeder bike and picks her up. They are quickly being chased by her mother, who is in a larger air vehicle. Suddenly, the Enterprise arrives within the atmosphere, and Kai pilots his ship into the shuttle bay. With the doors shutting, their mother also tries to make her way into the Enterprise. However, her larger craft slams into the doors and explodes. The Enterprise then returns into space and starts heading back to the Federation. Later, in this universe's equivalent of Ten Forward, Kirk is informed about Gilia's request for transfer to the Enterprise. The end. That was a quick wrap-up. Wrap up. Yep. Well, so... Um... So why exactly was the atmosphere so, or why was the Enterprise so low in the atmosphere like that? Couldn't they have just beamed them up? Uh, it's uh, more exciting this way. Well, it is, and it gives the opportunity for the, oh my God, biatch mother to try to, you know, get him back again and end up killing herself in traditional villainess style where the bad guys don't actually have to kill her. The good guys don't have to kill her. Or the good guys don't have to kill her, yeah. Right. 
So yeah, okay, I, I understand that part, but it just doesn't make any sense. It's like, why the heck did they put the Enterprise under the water in Star Trek Two? Uh, you know, it's like you don't need. Uh, I don't know, whatever. No, I'm with you, and yeah, I mean, and, and I didn't mention it in the synopsis, but while they're trying to get um, uh, Kai on board, mm-hmm. uh, it does have some panels where the Enterprise starts wobbling because the gravity's so weird here on oh, this planet. God, I hate that. And Scotty's like, oh, I promised the ship should never be underwater again, you know, and it's just like, it never should have happened, period, Scotty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Making a joke about it does not make it better. No. <laughs> no. And actually talking about that, there's a couple times where Scotty's explanation for things that shouldn't be happening is like weak and, you know, just dumbed down. Uh, yeah, what, what does he say? The strange gravity on this planet is wreaking havoc with the atmospheric compensators. It's like, oh my God, forget about that. Come on. <laughs> What's strange about the gravity? Okay, so, okay, so the floating uh, archipelago, um, that can't be a natural thing. I mean, they must be using applying anti-gravity tech to have that float like that, right? You're talking about the island? Yeah, yeah. Well, our, I don't know. It's an archipelago that's not in the water. It's it's floating. I thought it was I thought it was a natural island formation. Oh my god. That just floats in the air. Yes, it's the uh, unobtainable or whatever ah. it was from Avatar. <laughs> Unobtainium? Or whatever it was. <laughs> Do you know how long it took me to realize how made up that was? When they kept on saying unobtainium, unobtainium, we got to get the unobtainium. And it's like, wait, oh, oh, yeah, (laughs) I get it now. Oh, it's unobtainium. Oh, anyway. Okay. So anyway, (laughs) it's like, oh, it's just, it just, it just seemed very um, forced, but whatever. And then uh, what was that? Uh, the uh, when they were originally kidnapped, and then the ship couldn't go anywhere for a while. Both Federation ships couldn't go anywhere for a while because the Orions shot something at them that trickled through the shields and weakened the warp core's containment field. Right. It's like, wow, really? The Orions can do that? I bet the Klingons would love that. And the Romulans and the Ferengi. And... You aren't kidding. Yeah, no, Admiral Marcus would probably want that too. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) very handy. It was ridiculous. And it took, you know, it took a week, almost a week for Scotty to be able to fix it. Well, and he said some serious problems. Yeah. He said, if he can fix it. Right. You know, at first. It's like, oh, well, Well, I've, I've seen Scotty, you know, do some amazing things, put nacelles back on in less time. (laughs) Maybe not quite that. Maybe not quite that, but I've seen the Enterprise pretty beat up, and then the next week, it's all normal again. Sure, yeah. So, yeah, they they got to move the the story along in in the right uh, direction. They got to give some time for uh, for Kai and and Gaia, Gaila, whatever, uh, to be in the clutches of Evil Mother. Uh, So I understand why they did all that, but. It just seemed like the explanations weren't that good. Now, maybe it was explained last issue, and I just kind of forgot, because uh, it's been a while since we did those. Uh, what is her mother getting out of this union with the insect guys? 
um, a more formalized uh, trade relationship. Okay. I think it's all about trade. It's all about greed. So why I didn't mean, the mother marry him? Does he not? <laughs> does he not want older Orions? I I don't know. Because she was I, betrothed I, I, when she was like twelve, right? Wasn't it? Didn't it show oh, her yeah, as like she a, was little a little kid? kid. She yeah. was a little kid. Yeah. I, this woman is so obsessed. The mother that is is so obsessed with power and maybe wealth, um, probably wealth, that she's willing to take her own child and give her up to this insectoid leader or whatever. Right. And it's like, and it's all just to 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 formalize bonds between uh, her group and the these aliens, like for trade purposes, I guess. Right. And oh my god, what a witch! Yeah, that's the word. Yeah, better than <laughs> the other word I was using. But what a witch! Oh my god, and ugh. and then she just you know her son, which you would think. I mean, there's I know that. In that society, they they imply that men were just kind of brutes, but you know you would still think there would be some sort of bond there. But no, she sells him off to you know a gladiatorial slave guy or right. whatever. So yeah, obviously she does not uh, have any maternal instinct. Oh no, but she keeps claiming she does. Right. You know, trying to you know trying to rescue them and return them home, really to be to be sold into uh, marriage slavery or. You know, turned over as a gladiator. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Mom. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Whatever. We all know we don't like her, and we're not supposed to. Well, we don't have to like her anymore she, or dislike her because she did. Yes, that's right. Payback is a weach. Yes, that's the word. I was going to use the word again. <laughs> so I still like the Orion ship design, even though it looks kind of awkward. I like the Stargate contraption on the back. Right. And that their airships look the same. Uh, did their speeder bikes have that? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the the speeder bike. Oh, that's thing right. Had like four of them on there. Yeah. And then uh. the one that the mom had had a big one at the in the back too. Wow. So you figure that's kind of like some some gravitational drive or something? Hmm. I have no idea. It looks cool though. Yeah. I guess the speeder bike has two of them, not four. Got, I, I was thinking it looks like it's was... got three. So it's got one in the front, and it one looks like it's got two in the back. Does it have two in the back? Well, I'm or does looking, that one just kind of fold? Well, I'm looking at one angle where uh, where Kai is telling her to get, you know, guy uh, guy. Oh okay, yeah, get on. Two of them. Yeah. So he's got two in the back. Yeah, I was so. thinking that there was multiple ones. Yeah, you're right. But uh, but you know this this scene really reminded me of a movie that I think is really underrated. I thought it was actually a pretty good movie. Um, John Carter. Ah. Because they they did they rode around on bikes like that. They rode around on bikes like that. It, it it you know I don't know if it's just because these guys are green and 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 John Carter the aliens were green. Yeah. So. Uh, but I mean it just kind of and and kind of the same society with the gladiator the gladiatorial battles and yep. uh, you know the maneuvering political marriage and things like that to get families together. You know sure which has its parallels in 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 human history too. But uh, just they both play heavily in their society in in both this story and in uh, Agents of or um, Princess of Mars, uh, Jack Carter, which which I dug. I like the movie, and and I thought this was a kind of a, a nice little tip to the hat to that movie, whether it was intentional or not. Right. Um, the original books by Edgar Rice Burroughs. Mm-hmm. I love those books. I only read the first two, 
but they were really good. And the movie, I thought the movie was pretty good too. Um, but you know, it wasn't. I thought it was good. I, th- I think it was. I think it was underrated too. I think it was one of those those movies that may have not been perfect, but it was just lambasted by the critics. Right. And um, I don't know that it was the 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 cold critical reception it received that people decided not to go to it. But I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, and I I think that it was marketed bad because never did they even say that it was Princess of Mars or, I mean... Yeah, they didn't acknowledge that. And then uh, up until like the very last minute, they never even called it John Carter. They just called it (laughs) J-C-O-M. And like that was how all the trailers ended and you were like, what what does that even mean? Exactly. I'm not watching that. (laughs) Well, yeah, so uh, what, T2... Oh, Terminator 2 or something? Right. Okay, you know, some of the marketing things where they tried to give you something really short, you know, kind of like stick in your mind. Um, okay, but we know about Terminator already. Sure, right. Everybody saw that movie, the first one. Um, a lot of people did not read the books. And they and there though there have been multiple movies of John Carter, uh, adaptations of Princess of Mars, um, they weren't very high budget. And they no. weren't that good. <laughs> no, he's never so, he's never gotten the the Tarzan level of oh, name recognition. Exactly. So people that are into reading and stuff and might be into the genre would know about it, but you know the general populace, no. Right. So anyway. So anyways, like I said, if this was intentional, I really am happy. If it was unintentional, uh, I'm still happy because uh, <laughs> it just proves that it it is a good story, and uh, you know. It can be it can be reworked, right? So, very interesting that we got to see so much of uh, Orion, the, the Orion way of life, right? So that was kind of an interesting uh, window that we normally don't get, you know, right? No, I liked it. I like the story a lot. I mean, because usually the Orions are always depicted as either being you slave know, girls, slave girls, or you know, thugs of the week kind of thing, uh, you know, being the pirates and things like that. You never really saw that they had a back history, you know, where we do with Klingons and Romulans. So this was good. I, I've enjoyed these a lot. Right. Yeah. So what what did you think of uh, the, gladiator- the gladiatorial battle? Well, it, it was fine. Um, Having to fight naked. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. So, yeah, so they were naked when they were fighting. The guys were fighting. Luckily, we didn't see any parts. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> but the guy that Kai ends up beating is a really big guy. So um, I guess the martial arts that he learned in Starfleet is the thing that really uh, got him to beat a guy that looks like he's a lot bigger. Yeah, I wish they would have shown that because it looks like he just one punch. It looks like the, the big guy took a swing or two maybe, and then uh, Kai just uppercuts him and then it's over. Yeah. I mean, he is part of security, right? So you would think that he... Would have really good training. Right. But this guy is probably a very seasoned uh, gladiator. And you would think that he would have some moves of his own, too. Exactly. Yeah, and it's just that one punch, man. So, yeah, so all Kai really does is he quickly moves backward to dodge the punch, which the big guy was uh, probably throwing all of his weight into, so he got him off balance. And then one uppercut, that's it. Yeah. Hmm. 
And that doesn't even look like martial arts. That looks like a good old fashioned, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, pugilistic uh, boxing match or something. Right. Eh, whatever. Yeah, that was uh, that's pretty good. And and that does, you know, there's a tons of people up in the stands. They're really it, this is very much reminding me of like a Roman kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Okay, so that insect alien. Mm-hmm. I, I hope I'm not repeating myself, but how I I it's they were insinuating that the insect alien was like finding uh, Gyla attractive or something, right. which made it even more ooky. But how could it? How could an insect alien find a mammal attractive? I mean, they were insinuating it, sure, but still, you know, physically, how would that happen? I don't think so. <laughs> Uh, you know, you great beauty. Six... Great beauty is not beholden to just your species. Okay, but come on, could you see <laughs> finding an oversized grasshopper as being attractive in any way? I knew what was attractive to grasshoppers. I could learn to so, appreciate. So, so that's what these aliens kind of look like: praying mantises. Praying mantises. Like yeah, listen, they look like grasshopper bodies stuck onto a praying mantis's body. Like yeah. two, they too, and, yeah, and they're all yeah. like like black and really dark. You know, dark colored, right? You yeah, know, not uh, not not like like a light green kind of thing, and wings and everything, eh, eh. and a bunch of eyes. They got three eyes on each side of their head, right? Anyway, I bet they're compound too. Yuck. Yeah, they're really seeing everything. Yeah, you ain't kidding. But yeah, yeah, no, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah no, but maybe he was. You know, just saying that to appease the mom because he also wants this union or whatever to, for his own own needs. I don't exactly. Know. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they're 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 both wanting to elevate their stature within their societies or make more money. You know, whatever. Uh, right. Enhance their wealth. So they both want it. Um. Yeah. Okay. My last comment is how Captain Campbell doesn't seem to have any guts. You know. Letting her, uh, so they didn't say that much about it, but basically, you know, she's not going after her own crewman. Well, I kind of got the feeling maybe her, her, her ship wasn't working either, but yeah, she, she said she wasn't going to go anyways. Right. So she was not going to violate Orion space. Exactly. I don't know. I mean, in in a way she's probably the smarter of the two, right? Because, well, She's more by the book. She's a little bit more Jellico-ish. <laughs> but if this caused a big war between the Orions, uh, she would be telling Kirk, I told you so. Right. But to her, de- her in her defense, she didn't try to stop him. She said, you know, you got to do what you got to do, but I'm going to follow the rules. Exactly. So I, I don't know. I, I get what you're saying, but I also can't hold it against her now if she would have tried to like court martial or put him under arrest or something because he was talking about breaking the rules then i wouldn't have liked her too much no okay but in the end kirk was willing to go out on a limb for hit to protect his his crewman and she wasn't so true bravo kirk as per usual um anyway. it was it was his crewman and an ex-girlfriend so he had two <laughs> motivations there. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if when uh, when they were together, 
you know, during the academy days, mm-hmm. if she ever mentioned, oh, by the way, Kirk, I was uh, I was almost married to this insect guy. <laughs> You're much softer that. and smell better than he did. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm thinking she didn't bother, but who knows? <laughs> Um, another thing I'm more new about it because we haven't seen Carol for a while. Oh, she's gone. Well, okay, you know she's gone. Well, no, I don't know she's gone, but I know she's not in the next movie. And well, exactly. Okay, so there you go. Okay, so well, they just phased her out without really talking about it at all. I know, but uh, funny now. Uh, Gyla's going to be probably transferred onto the Enterprise. So is oh. this all setting things up for a uh, another romance? I don't know. No. Well, how do you know? I don't know. At the, at the least, there's going to be sexual tension. I'm telling you. There already is. Right. I think. Yeah, I, I, I hadn't Kirk's, even thought about that. Kirk is very by the book. You know, he's very professional. But if she's going to be around, it's going to be like, hmm. So remind me, in the beginning of these ongoings, did we have a Rand at all? Have Have we ever had a Rand? I thought we did. I think we did. What happened to I her? I did. But... They just phased uh, her out, too? phased her out. I, I don't remember them actually saying what happened to her. Along with Cupcake, just... Yeah, They Cupcake's were kind of there at the too. beginning, and then, then they were just gone. That's right. At least Cupcake wasn't killed on an away mission. Was Rand? Came close. Came close. Uh, oh, well, well, Rand didn't die on an away mission. Okay, right, right, right. Yeah, you're talking about that one where it was uh, yeah, a remake was... of that one one episode where all the red shirts died. And he in and, and this story, he was one of the red shirts. Well, I'm not sure about a remake of an episode, but I mean, he was like injected with some kind of a, right, you know, plant or something that almost killed him. Yeah, that was right? yeah, that was a remake of one of the old episodes. Was it? Yeah, I, I don't remember. We talked about it at the time. Uh, I don't remember. It was one where there. It was the one that everybody points to when they talk about red shirts dying because I think Always there's dying. like five of them that die in that episode. <laughs> oh. Yeah. But here in the alternate continuity, they save them. One, yeah, I think they all live, right? Yeah, because they all have that toast at the end. Yeah, well, Kirk and what? What does Kirk say in? Um, in uh, oh, that's right. None at, of none of his crew ever died. Exactly. Yeah. He's not. He's not lost anybody. Psh, BS. Well, no. I mean, apparently not in the, in this reality. Apparently not. So, so much better than the chat. I don't buy it. But as Pike said, I think in response, you're pointing to that, and that's just luck because you're reckless, and he is reckless to some degree. Anyway, hasn't quite matured yet. That's all I have to say about uh, this one. All right, then let's move on to fifty-five, Legacy of Spock, Part One. Cool. Okay, yeah. Okay, so Legacy of Spock, Part One of Four. This one has a published date of March twenty sixteen. Writer is a lot of the same people. Uh, a lot of the creators are the same people. Mike Johnson is the writer. Story consultant, Roberto Orsi. Art by Tony Shastein. Colors by David Mastro-Leonardo. Letterer, Neil Yataki. Editor, Sarah Gatos. Publisher, Ted Adams. I don't, I don't remember seeing the publisher uh, thing mentioned that often. So I'm not quite sure what a publisher does in this context i always thought of publishers as being the the company idw right right so i'm not sure what a publisher does in this particular context but there you go we got a publisher cover a shows a drawing of old spock with an alien rocky planetary background likely vulcan 
Beneath him are the black silhouette of 32 humanoids that are likely Vulcan survivors. Spock has shepherded to a new homeworld. Perhaps my interpretation. The subscription cover presents a thoroughly gray-haired Spock head floating over a desert planet landscape. The planet has at least five huge statues of robed people overlooking a lower strip of land populated with a long line of similarly robed people stretching off into the distance and snaking around steaming sulfur pits. This place looks nothing like paradise, but rather a lot like Vulcan. Spock is taking a long look at the Golden Gate Bridge, likely for the last time. He thinks how it is one of his favorite structures across all the planets he has visited, and there have been many. Its red, rusty color would not be out of place on his home world. He will miss it. He visits Starfleet and bids it farewell. He moves to the departure pad of his shuttle and runs into himself, only much younger. The perfect scene from the end of the 2009 Star Trek movie, where young Spock and old Spock converse, uh, perhaps for the last time, is reenacted to some degree. Old Spock talks young Spock into staying in Starfleet and allowing his older self to help found a new Vulcan homeworld and Science Academy. It is most useful to be in the unique situation of being in two places at once. As Old Spock's shuttle lifts off and quickly escapes Earth's gravitational pull, he finds himself passing the Enterprise, the place he has spent more of his life than any other single location. As he passes inside the magnificent ship, her captain is visibly shaken as Spock passes for the last time. McCoy assumes Kirk is space-sick already. Spock's shuttle lands on the USS Mueller, the ship that will take him to the remaining survivors of the recently deceased planet Vulcan. Meanwhile on Romulus, a female and male Romulan, dressed in black, walk through a tall-ceilinged hallway, commenting how amazing the once-mighty Vulcan Empire that has been brought to the brink of extinction on a tiny little world. Rather than thinking how they could help, they think how they could extinguish the few that are left. They talk about how the Vulcans will likely seek the destruction of the Romulan race if they are left to rebuild. Visia is the petite female, and she is quite heartless. She speaks easily of genocide. Lucian is the tall male who is more measured in his reaction to the deadly proposal. He asks how she proposes to carry out the deed when there is precious little left of the red element left that destroyed planet Vulcan. Rather than directly answering, she simply states that if the Vulcans are allowed, they will reinvent the red element, as we know they will in the future, and use it against us. The choice is simple. Kill millions of Vulcans now to save billions of Romulan lives in the long run. Meanwhile, on the Mueller, Spock thinks this may well be the last time he is on a Starfleet vessel. From behind, someone called Spock Sun. Spock turns to see another version of his father. Sarek appears to be slightly younger than Spock. The wel they welcome each other and comment how odd it is to have two versions of a father and two versions of a son. 
The conversation turns when Spock speaks of them working together to rebuild a new Vulcan homeworld. Sarek turns serious and warns Spock not to take part in the upcoming convocation where the remaining leaders of the Vulcan race will meet and plan the future. Sarek explains that there are some that blame old Spock for the events that led to the destruction of Vulcan. There are enough of those that his presence would cause unrest. They depart. As the many ships of the Vulcan fleet rendezvous around the barren planet Regular One, Spock analyzes his father's warnings and wonders at all the layered meanings of Sarek's words. In a very large meeting space with many attendees, the convocation begins. An elder talks about the options of settling on a desolate world and terraforming it, or settling on an already habitable world such as SETI Alpha 5. Old Spock is in attendance, and he asks permission to speak. The elder attributes the interruption to his human half and says they intend to deal with him later in the proceedings. However, since he wants to speak now, we can move the matter of Spock up. She gives him the floor. Spock says that since he is from the future of an alternate dimension, he swore not to interfere with the events in the, this dimension unless lack of action would lead to utter disaster. Establishing a colony on SETI Alpha 5 would lead to doom. The Elder says Spock's counsel is not welcome, and in fact, they have considered his arrival and the events that took place soon thereafter. It is the judgment of the Council that Spock's citizenship be stripped from him and contact with the rest of the Vulcan race be prohibited. From this moment on, in the eyes of your people, you are no longer Vulcan, Spock. Meanwhile, on the Klingon prison planet Ruripenthe, a heavily tattooed Romulan is being beaten and interrogated by a merciless Klingon. The Klingon wants to know about the future. The Romulan is part of Nero's crew, but was not able to escape, escape with Nero. Suddenly, the Klingon is attacked from behind and killed. Quickly. Quietly. A Romulan female helps the bloodied Romulan up and says, Brother, on your feet. We must escape. Nero may be dead, but our mission remains the same. To be continued. Bum, bum, bum. Wow, there's some Romulans left over from Nero's crew. Yeah, it makes sense, but... Yeah, it does. I mean, the idea that all of them would have been able to escape Ruripenthe, I mean, it's not a country club. Kind of makes sure makes sense that they couldn't get everybody out. Right. So we got Spock pooped on by the the, the, the Vulcan Council, um, and we got these guys, these Romulans, and... And then third, we got, uh, you know, those other Romulans that we saw at the beginning of the issue uh, that are out to get the Vulcan race. So between, yeah, between the Vulcan race and what, you know, the enemies that are out there poised to attack the remaining Vulcans and the fact that one of their potentially greatest champions has been, you know, totally, you know, expelled, uh, the whole race turning their back on them, or at least the people that lead them, uh, it's not a, not a good situation. Nope. No, I'm 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 really confused why the Vulcans, or I'm sorry, why the Romulans of this time hate the Vulcans so bad. Where did that come from? 
Well, I think they always disliked each other, or at least the, the Romulans did. But in the end, what they're trying to say is the Vulcans are going to want payback. And if there's a chance that the Vulcans are going to want a payback, then we got to treat it as a surety and, um, you know, destroy the ones that are left. I mean, at least that's what these two think, or that, that lady. Right. That female Romulan. And, and it's kind of a good point, because didn't we see in some other issues, IDW, ongoing issues, where there were some Romulans, or rather Vulcans, that were, um, you know, wanting to do something in retribution? Well, Sarek himself was part of that group. Okay, there you go. Right, and but it ended with them giving the red matter to the Romulans, so... Yep. That, that's where I'm really confused as to where this story takes place. Does it take place right after Star Trek, the motion picture, or Star Trek 2009, whatever movie, whatever year it came out? Does it take place right after that, which is what it seems like? Yes. Or does it take place after that storyline where the Romulans have the gray, ma- the red matter? Can't be both. Well, you know that you. That's a really good question. Because time-wise, they're, they're showing you the events of the, of the post-2009 movie, so it seems like it should be back then, mm-hmm. which should be well after, which should be well before that other story they did with the whole Red Matter thing. And by the way, they're calling it Red Element here. Well, that's just the Romulan term. Ah! <laughs> well, okay, fine. Yeah. Anyway, so, so the thing is, that's a very good... Um, that's a very good temporal discussion. Very good. Right. I'm not sure which one comes first. I mean, it's almost like they did them both, but they might be kind of, you know, in conflict with each other, both happening. Right. Huh. Yeah, I need to – I was trying to find what, what, what issues those were because I was thinking it was around 17, but – uh, um, it maybe it maybe it happened before that, which seventeen was about the time that that the Star Trek um, motion or the Star Trek uh, what was it called? End of Darkness came out. So I was thinking that it came out before the End of Darkness uh, tie. I thought so too, but I can't I can't find it. it wasn't it also the one where it had um, you know uh, Sulu's sister being part of some. Oh, here it is. It's issues 26. So it happened way after Into Darkness. Okay. Yeah, so that scene where they have the red matter, did it happen mm-hmm. after the first movie or did it happen after the uh, issues 26 when Kirk gave them the the red matter? I don't know. Can't be both. That's what I'm saying. Well, I, you know... It, if you take a look at all the IDW issues, um, you know, they're doing their own thing. They're doing their own stories. Right, but they should tie in so, to themselves. I agree. I agree. Oh, this is, this is just the kind of thing that drives you nuts, isn't it? It is. Don't continuity. Know. Don't be messing with my continuity. Right. And they kind of are. Right. But, okay, so, so they wanted to do a grand story for Spock to, for the send-off. Um, Which I get. You know, the, the, the actor passed on, so it's time to retire, um, at least officially acknowledge the retirement of the, 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 the version of the character that we all love so much. Um, 
So they just looked around and said, well, what kind of thing, what kind of story, compelling story could we have to end this on? And they said, hey, well, this whole uh, question of the Romulans thinking uh, the Vulcans have to die anyway. And then the idea of of the Vulcans trying to rebuild and getting back on a footing and getting establishing a new home world. Right. And if they had to redo something, well, so be it. <laughs> you know, well, well, I mean, Mike Johnson, odds are, wrote those issues in the 20s you were just quoting. Odds are, he knows what he wrote. Right. Anyway. Yeah, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this was a, was there two different uh, Romulan ones? Maybe it was earlier. I don't know. Anyways, regardless, I like the story. So don't, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm trying to nitpick it to the point that I don't like it because I, no. I enjoyed the story quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I just thought it was odd that the Rom, these Romulans just hate the Vulcans so bad they're willing to just do everything they can to finish them off. What? Okay, but is it that they hate them that much or is it because they see a real threat? Or is they just using their threat, which is probably, you know, justified to think that, that it could go that way. Are they using that as an excuse to finish off the, the Vulcans right. race? Well, I guess if, if Sarek really has already tried to attack them yep. and Spock had to, or Kirk had to get involved and ended up giving them the red matter. Yeah. I could see them as seeing that as as a threat. But Well, the idea that all that happened would give them even more of an impetus to think that uh, the Vulcans may do it because they already kind of tried it because that was the storyline, right? Right. That that splinter group from the Vulcans did try to uh, take the red matter and plant it on Romulus, right? That's right. Wasn't that it? Mm-hmm. And, and explode it there and, and kill them. So I guess these two might have a lot of justification. Anyway. Very, yep. So that's a way it could fit together, that the two stories could fit together. Um, I thought it was interesting how one of the Vulcan elders, the one that was speaking so much at the convocation, um, I think uh, Shastine was, uh, used Judy Dench. Wasn't it Judy Dench? I think that's her name. The one that played M in the Bond films more recently. Right. Um, this Vulcan elder looked like Judy Dench to me in Vulcan makeup. Uh, let's look what do you this think? up. Let me see. What, what page does she on? Oh, yeah, oh. yeah, no. Yeah, absolutely. She looks like Judy Dench. Yeah. So I don't know if that's... <laughs> that's actually casting <laughs> that people are thinking of, or that's just the artist, or or who knows? Maybe um, Mike Johnson, the writer, when he was right, you know, describing what the Vulcan elder looked like, he says, looks like a Vulcan Judy Dench. I don't know, but... Well, that way we can see Judy Dench and Leonard Nimoy on page together. The only time they acted together is right here on this page. Ah, (laughs) yeah, probably. (laughs) Probably. All right, so uh, I did finally find the right issue. It was issues number seven and eight. Oh, that far back. Yeah, so it was pretty early and ongoing. So, all right, I'll buy it that this story takes place after issue eight. Right, yep. That would kind of make sense. Yeah. Good job, Mike Johnson. You you cleared your name. Uh, <laughs> well, corrected our misinterpretation. Now, if you remember, at the time, we thought this was a huge mistake that Kirk just gives them the red matter. 
Oh, yeah. So uh, I want to say told you so. Right. But now in this issue, they're saying it isn't enough red matter to destroy a city. And it's losing its potency every day. Uh, supposedly, yeah. The thing is, if you can create a wor- a wormhole, wasn't that it? it no, a black a hole. A black hole. I don't care how small a black hole is. Odds are it's going to probably going to kill more than just a planet or a city. Right. It's going to probably start sucking things in and not stop until a planet's gone. But not but... only a black hole. It was able to create a black hole that was able to absorb a what was it? A, a supernova that was destroying universes or gal- uh, whole solar systems. Yeah, well, that was ridiculous too, but <laughs> don't get us going on that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, so. I'm really digging the time. I think frame. there's some revisionist stuff yeah. going on. But I'm really conference. digging that we get to see what Spock did right after Star Trek. Uh, oh, one. completely. And I, oh, I'm assuming End of Darkness will fit into here at some point. You know, young Spock will call him, hey, tell me about Khan, and we'll, and we'll see how uh, he did that. And then, unfortunately, we'll find out how, how he passes. Yeah, because they're going to have to say, gonna have to, they have to explain that. Right. Wouldn't you think? Well, yeah. Well, I guess they don't have to. You just assume that it took place, and they just chose not to show you that. Yeah. In the comic, but I, don't I would know. like to see that. When they said that they're going to address it in the movie, and then almost immediately IDW started saying, well, our next story arc's called Spock, and I'm like, okay, well, it's, they're going to have to address it. Yeah. Okay, I got one. Um, I would think that Spock has a lot more leverage than the the Vulcan elders are are not recognizing. I mean, if they really thought about the fact that um, that the Romulans are potentially a threat, I mean, maybe the government didn't sanction Nero's actions, but still, they could be a threat to them. Spock is the only one that knows how to make red matter. I mean, he's from the future. I mean, he was involved in the creation of, of the red matter, red element, whatever you want to call it. Right. That could be a powerful weapon to protect the fledgling uh, Vulcan homeworld. And and they're just – they're turning out the guy that could make it for them. I don't know. I, I think it's – you know, this whole action about blaming Spock for everything, scapegoating him basically. Right. And then, and then totally disowning him, that is a very emotional reaction in my opinion. Not logical at all. These guys are pretty emotional. They, 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 you know, even in the first movie, they were kind of going out of their ways to be jerks. You know, to weren't they? To Spock? Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Just that because you say it was... in a monotone voice doesn't mean you're not being a total blank. Exactly. Which? Yeah, and the idea. I mean, they're feeling towards Spock. They're racist because he's half human and they consider that, you know, inferior. They're a bunch of racists. Anyway. Yeah, good point. And Jude and uh, the, the Judy, Judy Dench. Dench uh, the first thing she starts out with saying is the same kind of crap. I attribute your interruption to your human half. It's like, well, thank you. Racist. <laughs> anyway. All right, so my last comment was about SETI Alpha 5. 
Yes. How many times did they bring that up? I don't know, but it's like, isn't there any other planets where you can relocate people? Right. And I mean, that's where that's where Spock put Khan and company, and so now that's naturally the same place they're gonna that the Vulcans want to set up shop. Aren't there more M class planets than that? Well, what do you mean where Spock in the in the prime timeline put put Khan? Is that what you meant? Because that's not where Khan well, is in this continuity. No. In the original, yeah, in the original continuity right. in Space Seed, right. they put him on SETI Alpha 5. So right. is SETI Alpha 5 the only M-class planet where Federation people, you know, relocate people that need a new home? Right. That, that's my point. Yeah. But but my, my point is, is that at this point, SETI Alpha 5 should be a pretty nice place to live. Oh, I agree. I completely agree. But Spock knows what's going to happen. And why doesn't he just tell him? I, and I know that he doesn't want to affect the uh, timeline, but he's already like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Just say, hey, I know that in a few years, SETI Alpha Six is going to destroy, be destroyed, right. and this planet will turn into you know even worse than Vulcan as far as desert worlds go. Yeah. Now, if any species was going to live on a desert world. I could see the Romulans or the the Vulcans being pretty happy there. Yeah, but so. yeah, but not not in the conditions that were uh, going on when Khan, you know, towards the end. What with the worms and stuff like that? Well, with the worms, with the constant storms, right. with no no other life on the planet, right. pretty much, right? Except for a few things, uh, you know, no way, no water. You know, it's like no, that's not. I don't. That's a lot worse than Vulcan, Planet Vulcan. Anyway. Yeah, true. But anyways, why can't he just tell him? I mean, he's telling him not to do it, so he's already trying to affect the timeline. I think that just dropping that well, little I think, word yeah, bubble is going to be should be fine. That's fine, but in reality, they want Spock to be cast out so that he goes to Romulus. I mean, that's the whole storyline. So <laughs> that's what Johnson's going to write, right? And even if he said something, even if he, even, if he, even if he said that, it's like you expect us to believe that right. the planet just blows up by itself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it might not change anything. Right. True. You can't prove it. True. And, I mean, unless and and you know, really, what could happen is, I mean, this is great technology and stuff. Maybe they figure out in time what. What's the problem with SETI Alpha 6? What made it blow up in the first place? Right. I mean, it. if they can come up with with cold fusion or something that can stop a volcano from blowing, uh, which is ridiculous, by the way, they should be able to do something, maybe, to stop SETI Alpha 6 from blowing up. I don't know. I think you're on to something there, King. I don't know. I'm just saying. Okay. I, I did. I did like that they had to tie into SETI Alpha 5. I mean, as soon as I heard that they said that, it's like, SETI Alpha 5? SETI, SETI Alpha 5? SETI Alpha... <gasps> it's going to blow up. Look out. Nice. It took me a little while to <laughs> to remember exactly what the reference was. Well, my immediately thought, I, I mistaken... Kind of like, like with Chekhov. Anyway, go ahead. My, my original mistaken thought was, uh, it's like, they just did a SETI Alpha 5 where... You know, Khan was the peaceful, you know, uh, the peaceful outcast, you know, just trying to right. be along. I mean, it was an alternate universe, but right. 
can't you find another planet you've already you know that was just like two or three <laughs> issues ago <laughs> yes unless they want to tie in the con thing but I don't, I don't think they're going to and it doesn't make sense for con to be there yeah he should be a popsicle somewhere <laughs> actually what he should be is being uh you know on a consicle well he should be a, he should be awake and he, they should just be you know pulling his blood every single day as the miracle cure for everything exactly in reality that's where he would be well yeah they'd be f- or at least researching the blood to figure out what what makes it tick right i mean it brings back kirk and a tribble and we'll never use it again mhm yeah just like that that transporter that work <laughs> works across the galaxy. Yeah. At least they they have used that again. I mean that's uh, how Khan got to Kronos from Earth. Remember? Well, what, well, yeah, but they did that. They did that in the movie. I mean, they right, did, right, right. They, oh, you mean in the comics? They've never done it. Well, it beyond the movie, the two movies, the two movies. Well, they introduced it in the second movie. No, they introduced it in the first movie. Remember that's how Scotty and uh, that's how Scotty and Kirk got oh, from yeah. Vulcan. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So why yeah, don't right. they just? Uh, good point. But the fact that that he was able to take that and build it into a portable one. So okay, good point. It was in both movies. And then the fact that you could actually have a portable one that you can transport yourself with the transporter. By the way. No, the transporter. Handy. Stayed. Transporter stayed. That's how. It's, oh, that's right. That's how Scotty okay, was fine, able to do fine. his analysis. I'm off today. <laughs> but my, my thing is, is that they keep saying there's no more habitable planets in um, habitable planets in the Vulcan solar system. I call oh, BS yeah. on that because we saw yeah, Spock looking up in the sky, watching Vulcan be destroyed from whatever planet he was on that was close enough. Yeah, that's true. Now, mind you, it was cold as heck, and they had Star Wars like aliens, you know, critters there. But you could have lived there. Exactly. So don't say, oh, wait, Judy Dench, don't planet? say there's no other planets. There's just no more planets you want to live on. Well, was that a there. planet? Was that supposed to be a moon? I don't know. It didn't make sense. Because they were able to see planet Vulcan from that moon, from that spheroid that Spock was on. Wasn't that supposed to be a moon? I thought it was a planet, Delta Vega, right? <sighs> Not the same Delta okay, Vega whatever. from where no man has gone before. I don't remember the name. As we all know, but whatever. J.J. makes up whatever he wants. Not anymore. Sure he does. He's still doing it with Star Wars. Yeah, he's just not making it up for us anymore. Not not us Star Trekkies. Well, uh, Bad Robot Productions, they're still making the third movie. True. So, J.J. could have some influence. You never know. Anyway. Boy, I hope that movie's good. Yeah, me too. <laughs> okay, that's all I have to say about this one. All right. Well, then we'll move on to issue number 56. This came out April 2016. Uh, all the staff is the same with the exception of the letterers. Uh, the letterer this time is And World Design. So I guess maybe Neil Yutaki works for them, or this is just a completely different group. I think they sub subcontracted it out to somebody. And world design. Exactly. Right. One word, and world. Yes. Which is a really odd name <laughs> for a company. Right. That does lettering in comic books. Very odd. Yeah, you wouldn't think there was a big market for that. 
No. But wasn't it – I mean we've read comics before where it looked like the producers outsourced at least coloring. Right, yeah, outside. like Malibu graphics or something. Exactly, like that. Yeah. right. Yep. Yeah, whatever. All right. Anyway, so cover – the uh, the main cover shows uh, the original series version, so so some classic Taz, Spock, Kirk, and McCoy, and then behind them we see the top hull of the Enterprise, and then the subscription cover shows it's almost like a painting, like a like a classic oil painting looking thing, but it's of the reboot version of Ahura. Just gives you that classical painting in a museum type vibe. So the story starts with a a alternate dia or the story starts with an alternate epilogue to the classic episode of Muck Time. Uh, Kirk McCoy and Spock are talking about how humans get all sentimental about things like home and how Spock is indifferent about leaving his planet after his short and quite crazy visit. So we flash back to the present of the story, which is sometime after the 2009 movie, uh, where Spock and his younger alternate version of his father are talking about Spock being exiled. Spock stresses again that the new Vulcan colony should not be on Sethi Alpha 5. Sarek tells him that he'll do what he can, and the two depart. In Romulan space, a Romulan battlecruiser is chasing a small Klingon ship. Before the Klingon ship is destroyed, a communication is opened and the Romulans learn that there are two bald, tattooed Romulans piloting the Klingon craft. Elsewhere, Spock is being dropped off to Deep Space Station K-7. On the station, Spock recalls being there before with Uhura and Chekhov and that terrible time with the Tribbles. Spock hopes to locate Serio Jones of this universe and see if he can get some help. Eventually he finds the man and asks him for assistance in traveling to Romulus. At first the smuggler balks at the idea, but eventually the Vulcan offers up enough money to make it worth his while. Meanwhile, on Romulus, the Romulans of this time are talking about the last remnants of red matter that they have and how they need to use it to finish off the Vulcans. The Romulan Senate meets to discuss what to do with the time-displaced Romulans. The Romulans of this era see a chance to use Nero's crew to do their dirty work. At the home of Romulan Senator Pardek, Spock meets with the man and asks for help. Spock knows that this is one of the founders of the reunification movement in his timeline. Suddenly, Romulan security show up and arrest both men. While in a jail cell, Spock is visited by the two bald Romulans from his own time. To be continued. Ha! Well... Okay, so Spock's situation just keeps getting worse and worse. Yep. Man, so uh, so now he's imprisoned on Romulus, perfect, and the senator he hoped to get help from is now, uh, you know, also imprisoned, I guess, and now he's face-to-face with uh, survivors of Nero's crew. Perfect! This day just keeps getting better and better. 
Right. So Spock should know these people, right? He he worked on the um, uh, what was the name of that ship? I forgot. Uh, the Narada? The Narada, right. He worked on the Narada before Nero went all crazy, right? Well, he was working, yeah, he was working with Nero um, to be able to get, yeah, well, he was also, well, he was working with Nero uh, to get the Red Matter, hopefully, there to stop the uh, the wave, the magical wave of uh, destruction. Right. So, yeah, he knows him. He he was on he was on the Narada. Well, yeah, he was on the Narada in the first uh, the two thousand nine movie. Yeah, right. right. Well, oh, that's right. That's well, right. after they captured. Well, him. no, that that was after Nero escaped from the Klingons. Right. Oh, you're saying does he know these particular people? Yeah, he should know these two people because well, potentially he could. Well, I know he was dealing with Nero before they jumped back in time, but I don't know that he was necessarily dealing with all of his crew. Well, in Countdown. The the same crew, the Narada crew. Yeah. I mean, Spock was with them when they went to Vulcan, and the Narada got all pimped out with the Borg tech, and Spock got the jellyfish ship, and then the Narada and the jellyfish went to uh, stop the the super supernova. Right. So I would think that Spock spent some time with the crew and potentially knew who some of them were. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to mention it at all, but I'm just thinking if if anybody should actually know one another, it should be these three. As far as from the same timeline and have been together at some point. It's possible. It's definitely possible. Um, I don't know that Spock was around long enough to know all of Nero's people. I think that's probably not the case right however he definitely could have met he definitely met some of them he worked with some of them sure he could know these people anyways i'm just wondering what they're going to do with that i mean will these two hate hate spock like nero did or will they see that he was trying to stop the super the super supernova but uh but the romulan people themselves is the one that well i mean remember it was the senate and stuff the romulan senate that wouldn't give them the resources they needed and and you know it was really the Romulans own fault why they didn't get saved. Yeah. Anyways, I'm just wondering if if you know this this le- looks like they these Romulans are about to pound on him, right? They're like, "Oh, nice to see you again." You know, so you're like, <laughs> "Oh, he's about to get it." But then I'm wondering if the next issue they'll be like, "I know. We 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 know you did what you could and we're going to help you." Oh my god, you're very you're a very optimistic person. <laughs> I must say. Oh, I'll admit that that possibility exists, but I really doubt that's going to happen. Yeah, I doubt it too. But I think they're going to hate Spock just as much as Nero as did. Nero did. Yeah, I just got that feeling. Yeah, it would just be funny if they're like, "Yeah, Nero was a nut job." That's why yeah, we didn't but... leave when he left. <laughs> we would rather stay with the Klingons. <sighs> Again, that would be funny. I just don't think that's going to happen. Right. Things have, I think things have to continue to get bad for Spock right. until the point he does some self-sacrificial thing and dies to save the universe. Right. That's probably the way it's going to go. Well, we know that he can't be in this jail cell when Spock just, or the new version Spock, just gives him a ring and says, hey, what do you know about Khan? <laughs> yes, I agree. If, that, if they even acknowledge that or show that. They have to. They, they have to. If they don't now, do now, it. Now, why do they have to? I think I think that would be good. I want to see that. 
because it happened. You want to see that content? Well, so what? It happened, Ken. I saw it happen. Don't tell me it didn't happen. Spock takes showers, too. He goes to the restroom once in a while. They don't show everything. You didn't catch my, 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 my quote? Okay, say it again. It happened. I saw it happen. Don't tell me it didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's that from again? Star Trek. Which one? <laughs> Nero says that to Pike when Pike says ah, that okay. Romulus is not destroyed, and he goes off. Well, it sounded familiar, but yeah. I don't remember exactly. Okay, okay. I don't know why. Not. It's just such a ridiculous line, but I love it. I think I think uh, Eric well Bana was 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 a great crazy Romulan. Exactly. You know, spit flying and everything. Exactly. Yeah, I think it was good. All right. Sorry. No, no, no. That that's good. I it was familiar, but I couldn't place it. Mm. Anyways, so what'd you think of this issue? Uh, I I liked it. Oh, I like it. It's just um, you know, it's like what did I mean? Spock was really <laughs> playing a hunch. <laughs> I mean. Actually going to Romulus, I mean, I know you did it before in a different timeline, and you were even living there for a long time, but it's like, man, you're really taking a chance here. And I don't understand what he wants the Romulan senator to help him convince the Vulcans not to move to SETI Alpha 5. Is Is that his goal? I certainly hope not, because that makes no sense. No, it doesn't. But it seems like that's all he's talking about. Oh, we got to get him to stop, not move there. So I'm going to go talk to Romulans. Yep. Yep. I agree. I think he should go talk to this version's Kirk. He should go to the Federation. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree. Yeah, it should be the Federation. Because we're not we're not we're not racist like that. You know, we would like, okay, you're you're a half breed, but we still respect you as an individual. Now, they wanted uh, Spock to continue down a path of destruction. So they've definitely accomplished, you know, thumbs up, you've accomplished that. Uh, if he went to, you know, the president of of the Federation or something to talk, talk some sense into them. Give them another planet for Christ. Right. Uh, for, for, yeah, just give them another planet. Give them another option. Come on. Right. I think that would be good. That would make more sense. But no, things got to get worse. And this is bad. Right. This is bad. Have, have, him, have him go down a path of destruction. Self-destruction. So what do you think of this issue as overall? I, I didn't think that it really added that much to the story, not like the first one. Um, I mean, because we got the Spock dad thing. That was kind of already covered in the previous issue. We knew that he was being exiled. Didn't really add anything. Um, and then, And then it was so much of... Hey, you remember the time at the end of a muck time? And do you remember the time during the Trouble of Tribbles? And do you yeah. remember? You know, it was just like, I get it. We all seen those shows and we love them too, Spock. But move on with the story. <laughs> right. I don't know. But I did like seeing Cereal Jones. C- C- Cereal Jones. How do you say his name? Cyrano. Cyrano Jones. Like Cyrano de Bergerac. Oh. I like seeing him. I like seeing the the bartender because it looked like it was the same bartender from the, the yep. episode. It was, uh, and the bartender. I think the bartender looked pretty much like the same tall, skinny guy that we saw in a lot of different TV shows from the '60s. But the Cyrano Jones looks a bit different, which is good. So he's got a beard. He was clean shaven before. 
He's got those goggles, which look... I kind of like the goggles on him. Um, and he's got the helmet, the, the helmet, right? Right. Um, and his clothes are certainly different, much darker. Um, uh, so he does look different from a clothing and accoutrement standpoint. So, you know, this is not quite the same K7. No. But it is funny that while Spock's thinking and he's looking at these aliens that we've never seen in the original series, Mm -hmm. the the thought balloon is like, how some things never change. And I'm like, of all the panels you've shown me so far, this is the one that looks the weirdest. Yeah. Well, they it's yeah. So they drew in a lot more aliens than a a TV show from the 60s would have the money to uh, have. Right. Yeah. So did you notice that the insects from the Orion story are in this in this issue? Oh no, where 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 were? Uh, when Spock's talking to Cyrano, you can see a couple of them in the background, just kind of walking around. Oh, I see the wings. Yeah, and I'm wondering if oh yeah, you know, because this is supposed to be, you know, uh, you know, a few years after uh, Gilia was kidnapped by her dad. You know, what if these are? What if this is her fiance? Oh, still, you know, he's going to the bar every day. Oh, well, I should have been married by now. <laughs> stole her away from me. Oh, woe is me. She was so hot. Yeah, <laughs> for a humanoid, for a mammal. Yeah, right. that green skin. Yeah. So, do the pheromones that um, Orion women put off that are so difficult to? Uh, Stay away from for human males. Uh, does that work on the insects too? I was just going to ask the same thing. Mm. That is ooky. <laughs> that is really ooky. Anyway, so uh, so Cyrano has trade relations with um, with the Romulans, so he gets ale and stuff. Right. Romulan ale, so that's how he's able to get in. Right. Well, that's handy. Right. But is really but my question is is where did Spock get all this money? Did the Vulcans say we're going to give you uh, so much money to live the rest of your life away from us? Because it I don't know. didn't sound like Good that. Question. Good question. But he's like, oh, I'm going to throw you out a big chunk of money if you take me to Romulus. Exactly. I don't know where he got it. We're not supposed to worry about it. Yeah, because what he says is like whatever, whatever you think is the most you want me to spend to. Mm-hmm. To take me to Romulus, double that, and that's what I'm going to pay you. And I'm like, <laughs> it's a bad negotiating there, Spock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but whatever money Spock does have, he's probably figures he's not going to need it where he's going. Mm, I don't know. I don't know where he's going. I, firstly, I think this is a totally self-destructive trip. I just, I, I know he's trying to save Vulcan. I mean, the the remaining Vulcan people and stuff, but I don't get it. I just it doesn't make sense. No. Can I mention something though? Take sure. it off on a slightly different Absolutely. tangent. If you were if you were done with your Cyrano, I'm done. Okay. So I saw multiple actors in this issue, and I just want to know what you think. Uh, so, so some of the people that they drew completely reminded me of actors in alien makeup. Okay. So let's see if you agree at all. And I know you know Michael Shannon. I do. General Zod. Mm-hmm. Uh, and many other wonderful things. But um, I saw him on page 16 dressed up as a uh, Romulan. 
and I want to see what you think. The one with the little goatee or the other one? Not the goatee. So he's the one like in the middle-ish of the page, and he's the one saying it is the judgment of the Senate that your imperial citizenship will uh, be confirmed, blah, blah, blah. So do you are you in there on that page? Yet? I wasn't counting the pages. I was just on a page I thought was the one. Let me look real quick. Six. Okay, so this – yeah, so this is the one – yeah, so this is after Cyrano Jones' conversation with Spock, where he offered him the money. So this is where they're actually at the Romulan Senate. Yeah, I see it now. Um, I could see it. I mean, yeah, not, so not, he, not quite there, but I, I now that you mention it, I can see it. Okay. Um, a few pages later, on page 18, where Spock is talking to the uh, senator mm-hmm. that he's hoping to get some help with, even though he does look like Dr. Evil. Yeah. Um, that senator looks just like an actor that used to be in a lot of 60s and 70s TV shows, including um, he was on Star Trek in Menagerie. Do you, uh, was, it, was it Admiral Mendez? Oh, the one Something that was like doing that. the court martial or whatever? Exactly. Okay. The, 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 that was the uh, admiral, if he was an admiral, that was doing the court martial thing in you know current Taw's time frame, uh, not you know right. Who was really so a th- ghost or something? Exactly. He was a he was a figment of the imagination that was projected by the Telosians. So, but look at that guy's face. Uh, he was also the the guy on the tapes takes a thief that was kind of like the guy who was working with Alexander Monday all the time. That's kind of his boss. Anyway, you've seen him in a lot of things. And I'm telling you, he looks like him. Whoever played Admiral Mendez or whatever his name was, he looks a lot like him. Right. What do you think? I don't know what that guy looks like. So, Oh. Uh, and, you, and you call yourself a Star Trek fan. <laughs> I can picture him in my head, but he had hair. and Yes, so, he had hair. Uh, and it's not every panel. Right. You know, Just that first one? Uh, that first one yeah. is the best. That his face looks kind of scrunched up with weird eyebrow action, but uh, yeah, that's the one that mostly. Um, I will believe you, but I don't know for sure. Okay, well, because I, I, listen- I was thinking that he was more. I thought that he was supposed to be kind of looking like what we now know is supposed to be his son, which is the Senator Pardek from uh, Reunification. Okay. So what does he look like? Uh, he looks like a Romulan with a big bulbous uh, forehead. Yeah. Okay, fine. You're not going to help. Nope. Okay, fine. I'm not going to be able to help you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm trying to tie this together. Okay. And, and who knows? Maybe he would have been a really old guy, though, hmm. by the time Next Gen episodes were happening. Oh, if it was the same actor? If it was the same actor. Right. It's possible. That would make sense. Oh, and you love when it makes sense. I do. <laughs> All right, you have another one? Uh, no, that's it. Oh, just those two? Just those two. Not as obvious as the Judy Dench from last issue and the Michael Bean from a few issues back. Uh, Michael Bean. <laughs> where he played... Uh, yes. Uh, wow, Mud. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I sort of saw it, but... Exactly. Only sort of. Looked exactly like him. <laughs> okay. Okay. Go ahead. No, that was it. Oh, that's it. Oh, oh, oh! I thought you, you going to bring up another one. 
No, another lookalike? No, I didn't see any of those. No. Okay, okay. So how'd you like the little flashback to uh, Taz? Uh, like I said, I liked it, but yeah, but I, I don't know. Just maybe you're right. You know that it's it's him knowing that he's going to his death, and so now he's like, because everything he's thinking is, oh, goodbye chair, goodbye room, <laughs> goodbye this, goodbye that, and <laughs> and I hadn't really I hadn't really thought about it. You know that he's doing all this because he knows he's he knows he's on the end. Right, but now that you say that, I'm like, oh, how did I not notice that? Yeah, well, I may not be right, but it seems like he's he's giving an awful lot of farewells. Right now, the first set of farewells was fine. He thought he was going to go off and live with his people. That made sense. Uh, yeah. Yes, but now that unless they change their mind, that doesn't look like it's going to happen. <laughs> no. And here I go. I'm off to Romulus, where I'm going to probably get killed. All right, perfect. Yeah, and I still. Still don't understand what he was really hoping to accomplish there. Yeah, it's not it's not clear. But I think ultimately what's happening is they're positioning one of the biggest challenges in a lot of stories uh, is getting characters to specific places for when something's supposed to happen and they have to be involved. So the logistics of moving the the the, the pieces around the board. To get them where they need to be by the end. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I think writers do their best, but sometimes, you know, sometimes it's not always easy for them to explain things. And this might have been one of those situations where it's not a hundred percent clear what Spock was thinking he was going to get out of that senator, but he needs to be on Romulus. So right. That's that's what they did. They accomplished it. They did. So can I tell you something I really liked about him being on Romulus, though? What? I liked seeing Romulans wearing Next Generation uniforms. Uh-huh. So all the security guys are wearing... I mean, I didn't compare them, but exactly the way I remember the Next Generation Romulans looking and wearing. I mean, even their haircuts are kind of cut to make it look like maybe they have prominent foreheads like they did in the Next Gen. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't, but... It you know the way it's V'd. I don't remember you know Romulan Sarek looking like that in Taz, but they did do that in the Next Generation. Right. Liked it. I thought it was cool. Yeah, yeah. Very familiar outfits. And then the disruptors they had. Um, did did Romulan disruptors look like that on Next Generation? Um, they look okay. So those weapons look very familiar. I just don't remember them being in the hands of Romulans, but I'm going to guess that Shastine did his homework. Right. And that he's probably accurate what he's drawn there. Uh, but I do not directly remember those being in Romulan hands, but I'm sure they were. Right. Yeah. They look familiar to me and the, and the, the, the franchise that kept popping into my head that had similar looking weapons was V the, oh. the original miniseries and TV series. Oh God. Uh, yeah. They had, they had those kind of like, where the handle and the, I guess the clip portion had a connector at the bottom. Yeah. But maybe the Romulans did too, because it fits for their design, because they always had that, you know, that big dual, dual hull type ships. So these guns ah. kind of look like that too. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know what you mean. I know what you mean. So maybe that was just, just... an aesthetic that the, the Romulans liked in their ships and guns. I don't know. It reminds me a little bit of the. Uh, 
phaser rifles they were using in Deep Space Nine without the bottom connector. Right. Where it was not, it looked like an oversized hand phaser, Taz hand phaser. Uh, you know, just was kind of stretched out with extra components and two hand, two handles. Right. I remember those. Yeah. Which I didn't think were very attractive, but it made sense that you wouldn't need a, a big. It made sense that you wouldn't need a really big rifle. Well, I love the rifles. I I love the rifles they used in um, First Contact. Very cool rifles, but really, unless you're going to use it as a club, as <laughs> as Worf does do, you really doesn't make a lot of sense to have something that big. No, but if you got phasers, phaser tech, right? Yeah, because you're not shooting a bigger beam of light, right? Well, yeah. I mean, once yeah. you set it to kill, isn't it kind of all the same? Kind of like warp one's the same, regardless to what ship you're in. Right. Ah! <laughs> yes, yes, I agree with that. And if you can go warp one in a uh, in the Delta Flyer, um, why do you need? Yeah, why do you need warp? nacelles as big as Enterprise E has if you can go to warp in a shuttle or a runabout. Don't know. <laughs> okay. We're off a tangent. Yeah. I, I was thinking that I read something that said the reason why the nacelles are that way is so that it doesn't um damage subspace. Like like at the end of next generation they started putting speed limits on certain areas of space because it was being disrupted right so and i i thought i read that the reason those nacelles are like that were because these uh prevented that from happening but maybe that was somebody like me just trying to make things trying to justify things yeah trying to make things fit <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe yeah when they started to do that towards the end of the the next gen run i was thinking oh wow okay fine 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 you want to show that you know there are limits to things and you got to consider ecology and blah 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 but it's like uh, don't rain on my parade with this garbage <laughs> the whole idea that you can't go to warp nine because oh you're you're harming the environment right it's like oh i really don't need to think about that but whatever sorry sorry i'm sure it was an ecological message right oh that's something. definitely what it was yeah them, so. them tree huggers gosh darn it so my last comment is uh, kind of a, a two-parter, if I, if I may. Um, Please. When Spock goes aboard the, uh, the ship that kind of looks like the Kelvin, I, I don't know if it ever actually says what its name is, um, there's, a, there's a woman there, a gray-haired woman, that gives him the, the Vulcan salute. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the captain. Right. So dialogue, the inter internal dialogue that, that Spock's going through at the time is, is that he's getting a lot of you know, uh, support from, from other people, you know, who, who are feeling bad for what happened to Vulcan. Mm -hmm. She's obviously not Vulcan. So I was kind of wondering if that was supposed to kind of be like a, I don't know, a, a little bit of a commentary that if anything bad happens, like in the world now, immediately everybody starts posting, you know, changing their Facebook profile or whatever to support whatever it was, even though they never once cared about that before that moment. And just the way he was talking and the and the gesture she was making kind of like made me think that uh, that was kind of what they were saying that she was showing this Vulcan salute where normally she would have never done that. Well, yeah, 
that's a Vulcan thing, and she's obviously a human. Right, but but now that this tragedy has happened to the Vulcan people, she's yeah, she's Vulcaning it up. I don't know. Were you getting that <laughs> yeah, vibe I guess. at all? I yeah, I guess, I guess. Um, it was definitely nice of her to be taking a starship that probably had its own duties to perform, right? And using it to ferry about uh, Spock, who, um. You know, he's just somebody that popped in out of the blue. You know, it's it's not like he himself has a big history of saving the Federation. At this point? At this point right. in this alternate dimension. True. So, um, I think this was done more because he's a Vulcan than because he's Spock. Right. So, and I was thinking, would you really be... I mean, I know you feel sorry for the Vulcans and everything. They are a founding member of the Federation. But would you be really using an entire starship to ferrying about one Vulcan? Right. I don't know. But And Sarek's there. So how is he going to get off the ship at some point? Once they drop Spock off to K7, was he going to then have them drop him off at SETI Alpha 5 or wherever they end up moving to? Uh, I don't know. Say it again. Well, Sorry. Sarek's on, on this ship, too. So Sarek is on this Federation ship. Oh, at first. Right. In the first one. Yes. No, in this one. In this issue, it starts with him, the two well, of them on that ship, while they're, he's still going to K-7. Yes. But I'm talking about... Oh, no, you're right. No, you're right. So this ship takes him to Vulcan, last yes. issue, and then... Well, they, Vulcan. Well, well the to, to the rendezvous or whatever the, yeah the right, right yeah 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 okay and then she stuck around and waited for him to finish and then now she's ferrying him back to K7 okay. well that was good that she was hanging around yeah yeah super nice of her yeah so so anyways my second part was i was wondering if they were going to give her a name and and imply that she used to be um you know, Captain Pike's number one or something like that. Oh, oh hmm. they never do it. So, and she's a little too old for what that character should be at this moment. But Pike's also older than he should be right now too. So, um, right. So, given how old Pike is, her look is the right age. I think you think so. Uh, for her to be her the number one. But it's like they didn't say anything about that. They didn't. No, no. This was totally me. When I saw her, I was like, I hope they do this. But they, but in the dialogue and stuff, they never do. So I, I don't think okay. it's supposed to be her. Okay. That was just but my – that was my hope. Okay. That they would I, I didn't even think about that. But yes, you're right. It could be. Yeah, It I could be number one. I don't think it is. Yeah, I don't think it is either. But, but I, would have, I would have liked her character to show up in this continuity. Yeah. Right. But what would he call her? Exactly, the that's one. the problem. Because you don't know her name. Yeah, you could. She could have said, "Oh, I used to, used to be uh, like Pac, like Captain Pike used to say." Yeah. When I was when I was his number one, right. when I was his first officer. Exactly, that would have been uh, an awesome little nod. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that have been a small world? But then I got kicked off the ship, and now I just do the voice of the computers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the Paramount executives didn't want a woman to be first officer. Anyway, <laughs> all right. What else you got? Uh, that was my I, last one. Um, I don't have anything else for this. I don't think. Um, no, I have nothing else. All right, good. I'm looking forward to seeing how it ends, though. 
Yeah, me too. Really digging the story. And it can't end well for Spock, unfortunately, but hopefully it ends well for the Vulcan survivors. Right, yeah. Let's hope they don't go to SETI Alpha 6. (laughs) He told us not to move to SETI Alpha 5. Let's go to SETI Alpha 6. Hey, yeah, that might be better. Anyway. All right. Okay, well, if that's it, uh, we'll go ahead and close up shop. Uh, Next week, we're going to continue uh, these this spock storyline with uh was it 56 and 57 57 58 57 58 and then uh idw's also come out with a manifest destiny miniseries uh that may tie into the new movie so we're going to do the first issue of that yeah you just told me about that just before we started recording very interesting so this is a four-parter that are going to be published one every two weeks? It's going to be published, yeah, every two weeks. So, Or, or has been. Yes. Oh, not all of them. Not, not all, all of them. them. At, at the moment of recording, they have not all come out yet. Right, exactly. So looking forward to that. Uh, interesting title, Manifest Destiny. Of course, I know what that means from a historical standpoint in U.S. history. I actually took a social studies class. Um, but it should be interesting to see how they apply that concept to this story, which involves Klingons. Yep. So I wonder if the Federation has decided that uh, all the Alpha Quadrant should be the Federation. I don't know. Or the Klingons have. Right. One way or the other. Right. It'll be interesting. And it's definitely set in the Pike era, which is why we're trying to review it before the new movie comes out, just in case it does give us any... Uh, hints to uh, anything that's going to be in the movie. Hold on a second. It's it's set in the Pike era. Oh, I'm sorry. Pine. Pine. I always oh. do that. Okay, okay. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. Yes. Pine, Pike, very close. I don't okay, know why you. I always do that. I'm always doing it. Okay. And you always call me on it. Uh, well, I just was confused there for a minute. Sorry. My, my mistake. Okay. All right. Well, anything else, Ken? That's it, man. All right. Well, we'll be back next week. Okay. Thanks for joining us, everybody, on The Review. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music stories and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at startcomicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website, www.stcomicbookreview.com. Subscribe to us via iTunes. Or friend us on Facebook at first name, ST Comic, second name, Book Review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review.